Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Monday, May 22nd, 2023. I'm Erica Savage sitting in for Roland tonight. Thanks for joining us. Here's what's coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered tonight, streaming live on the Black Star Network. The death of a Georgia inmate covered in bed bugs is classified as a homicide. Ben Crump, representing LaShawn Thompson's family, will be here to tell us what an independent autopsy uncovered about this disturbing case of neglect. The U.S. is about 10 days away from defaulting on its debts. I'll talk to the president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation about the letter written with the National Council of Negro Women urging President Biden to reject policy changes that would increase poverty or threaten the health care and well-being of already vulnerable Americans. We'll talk about South Carolina's own Tim Scott's 2024 presidential bid and examine Kentucky's Daniel Cameron's campaign for governor. In our Fit Live Work segment, we'll talk about a new epidemic as deadly as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. I'm talking about loneliness. Y'all already know what time it is. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Let's get it, y'all. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop.
An independent autopsy reveals the Georgia man who died in a bed bug infested cell in Fulton County's jail psychiatric wing, quote, died due to severe neglect. LaShawn Thompson, 35 years young, died in September of 2022, three months after he was booked into the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta. Public outrage over his death spread last month after a lawyer for his family unfortunately released photos of Thompson's face and body covered by insect bites. Thomas's brothers said they are thankful for the truth, but knowing what happened is hard to accept. death, but a neglect hurts me the most. That in 2023, that we'll see people leave people, let them torture, let them rot in a cell. That hurts me the most. Mm. These images all over the internet, all over the media, it's disturbing, it's horrific, and it's a big impact on my family. I have another brother, and seeing these images and going through this as a family, Send him into a mental breakdown. It's hard for me and my family. The independent autopsy report said the combination of dehydration, rapid weight loss, and malnutrition complicated by decomposition, decomposition uh, schizophrenia, which led to Thompson's fatal cardiac arrhythmia because he did not receive necessary medical care or adequate food, water, and shelter. His manner of death is again classified as a homicide. Ben Crump, the Thompson family attorney, joins us now. Welcome, uh, attorney Crump. So glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Honored to be here. and Thank you all for covering this very important case. Absolutely. You are a friend of the show, and um, you have um, been really critical in a lot of these cases that we've seen where law enforcement, jail officials have had complete disregard for uh, black African-American life. Talk to the Roland Martin Unfiltered audience, Attorney Crump, a little bit about some of the findings in this autopsy report, some things that really all of us should be concerned about. Absolutely. Um, this autopsy report was finally released today uh, after the family had to get an independent autopsy because the Fulton County medical examiner said that it was undetermined the cause of death. Now, imagine that your loved one is found dead in the jail cell with a thousand or more bites from lice and bed bugs all in his nose, his ears, his mouth everywhere, and they tell you the cause of death is undetermined. So thanks to Colin Kaepernick and the Know Your Rights uh, Camp initiative, they paid for an independent medical examination by Dr. Roger Mitchell, who is the head of forensic pathology at Howard University. And it confirmed what we all suspected when we first saw those pictures, and that is that this is one of the most deplorable, if not the most deplorable death and custody cases in the history of America. He said it was uh, causing a man of death homicide, but he said he was neglected to death. 
because for over 40 days, he didn't get his medicine for his schizophrenia, and he decompensated. And that's why people ask, how could you lay there with these birds just biting, sucking the blood out your life? Mm. It's because he needed the medicine to be able to um, do what normal people do. Right. And so it is heartbreaking. Right. Right. And this happened in September uh, 2022. Before we um, let you go, Attorney Crump, understanding that your schedule is very, very busy, uh, could you just tell the audience, because I read in some of uh, one of the stories that you talked about, there were an innumerable um, number of bites uh, that he sustained over this over 40-day period. Um, there were three jailers that uh, resigned or released from duty. Could you talk to us um, in about 60 seconds or less, very quickly, some of the things that um, you all are hoping for and the family is hoping for outcomes uh, with regard to the Fulton County Jail, the jailer there, and those jail officials uh, that truly uh, were participants in uh, Mr. Thompson's death. Yes, ma'am. We had the uh, interview at the Capitol, the press release rally, because this happened in the state of Georgia. They have a mental health epidemic going on, mostly in black, black and brown people. And it is blood on the hands of the Georgia governor because it happened in his state, but in Fulton County, the jail is like a cancer. And the more they fail to act, because this could be your loved one next, that cancer is going to keep growing. So we want everybody to know in the greater Atlanta area that if your loved one is arrested and has to go to the Fulton County Jail, it may be a death sentence. My goodness. Attorney Ben Crump, always a pleasure. Friend of the show, thank you for all that you continue to do. Thank you, Queen. Absolutely, sir. And you are tuned in to uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? 
Hi, I'm Anthony Brown from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. Hi, I'm B.B. Winans. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's bring in the Monday panel to discuss the LaShawn Thompson case. Today, we have Dr. Julianne Malvo, Dean of the College of Ethnic Studies at California State University from L.A., Dr. Aminka, Aminka, Amukago Dominga, I am so sorry, <laughs> Amakango, my good friend, <laughs> professional lecturer, School of International Service at American University here in Washington, D.C., and Renita Shannon, former Georgia State representative from Atlanta, Georgia. It is so wonderful to have you all here. I'm going to start with uh, panelists from my home state, Ms. Shannon. Um, I... Um, I, I, I read this story several times over, and it was difficult to get through, to be quite honest uh, with you. Uh, LaShawn Thompson died in our home state September 2022, um, and that was during Suicide Awareness Month. We are now in the month of May 2023, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And to think the conditions that this young man died in... Uh, and he died in those conditions, not alone, uh, but with people who were tasked and received paychecks as officials of that place of incarceration, uh, tasked with ensuring that those brothers and sisters have the care and are well. But as you heard from Attorney Crump, for over 40 days, uh, and he said in a piece that he literally sat in a torture chamber while he was being, and I'm going to quote this, um, not being treated for schizophrenia. Uh, this brother dehydrated. Whoo. Um, malnutrition. And he had extensive and severe body insect infestation. He was not living on the streets of Atlanta, not living on the streets of L.A., he was not living on the streets of D.C. He was in a building where people received paychecks uh, to ensure that those people were cared for. Uh, Renita, talk to me about your thoughts around uh, LaShawn uh, Thompson's now-told story and uh, what should be done in addition to having the resignation of three people from the Fulton County Jail. Well, this story is truly heartbreaking, and I think the part where Mr. Crump said in the end that this could happen to anybody's relative is absolutely correct, because if you remember, uh, Mr. Thompson had not been convicted of any crime. He was in the jail um, awaiting uh, trial and had not been convicted of anything. So essentially, that means he had been arrested, he was put in this Fulton County jail, and because of neglect, he died. Anybody can be arrested. Um, and so this really is just so egregious. What comes to my mind as a former lawmaker is a few things. Number one, you have the sheriff who is elected, whose one and only task is to make sure that our jail is safe. Um, so, so that's an issue. Number two, you have the problem that 
for quite some time before Mr. Thompson's death, um, at least two civil rights groups had told the Fulton County, uh, the county of Fulton County, that they um, that the jail was completely unsafe. They made a detailed report. That was Southern Center for Human Rights, as well as the ACLU of Georgia, gave a detailed report about how unsafe the jail was and how much people were being put at risk over losing their lives. So the last thing that um, you know, and nothing was done about that. So the last thing that also comes to mind as a former lawmaker in Georgia is that Georgia is one of the leading states in the nation for mass incarceration. And time and time again, what we are seeing is more and more policies to advance putting more folks into jail, unsafe jails. And so anyone could really end up like Mr. Thompson. Um, what we really need to see is wholesale policy change with uh, getting rid of cash bail. Mr. Thompson did not have the $2,500 to pay his bail, and that is what cost him his life. You're right, it's mental—we're talking about mental health issues, but that was not what killed him. What killed him was having to be in a jail that literally nobody could survive, even with the best of mental health conditions. And so it really is a time for everyone to really just stand up and stop electing these folks who are willing to just shove more and more people into jails and not come up with real public safety um, solutions. That's really what we need. Absolutely. That's so well stated. And thank you for speaking from the vantage point of a uh, former lawmaker, which is why it is incredibly important for people to participate in all elections, your local, your state, your congressional, your presidential elections. Um, because to echo what Renita just said uh, what, uh, in repeating what Mr. Crump said, that this could be any one of our relatives. Um, I also want to talk to the point that you spoke about, Renita, with regard to Georgia having the largest number of incarcerated bodies in the nation and, and tease that out further. And I want to go to my friend who I chopped up your name, my brother, uh, Dr. Dabinga. Um, I want to talk about uh, this is also an American problem globally. Uh, America uh, incarcerates more bodies. That includes children as well. And I traveled as an emissary back in 2019 uh, to do some work uh, in South Sudan. And one of the first people that I spoke with um, in a local community, Ye State River, I spoke with a woman who was a jailer there in uh, that township. And we talked for about 30 minutes. And what I was so moved by is she talked about their system of incarceration, also rehabilitation, that it is nothing compared to what we see um, in what we consider a first world country being the United States, that people who commit crimes are forced to, they stay in the town area, but they're forced into um, areas where they're not in community with their brothers and sisters. And when we think about social connection, when we think about tribes, when we think about people who are very much con uh, connected with the land and the earth and also connected with family, that that is um, difficult. Now, there are, you know, in the capital, Juba, there are some really, really intense prisons there. But I'm just talking about uh, the townships, how they handle people who, um, who commit crimes there. Uh, talk a little bit about, because no, you just traveled abroad to South Africa doing some great uh, poetry and different things, but connecting. Talk about what incarceration looks like, what uh, rehabilitation, which is what Renita touched on a little bit um, when we think about throwing people into places of incarceration but really throwing them into places where they are, as Attorney Crump said in this piece, all uh, really akin to torture chambers. 
What is it doing for the fabric of this country to continue to incarcerate bodies and not also, while those bodies are being held, not provide real sources of rehabilitation and mental health services that so many across the nation and the globe actually need? Yeah, it's 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 real. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Really, really uh, tragic to to see those images. And when we're talking about on, on the global scale, look, the fact of the matter is that the United States exports more ideas about prisons than it does democracies. And I've been in prisons in places like South Africa and other parts of the globe. And when I look at some of the ways that they they, they talk about how people who are part of the prison industrial complex to the, in the United States have come to these countries and say, hey, nobody incarcerates people like we do. So if you want to really get this right, do what we do. And quite honestly, it really reminds me of, of taking us back to World War II and, and the Holocaust and Hitler, because as we know, many of the ideas that he had in terms of what he did to the Jews, he got from how the United States was treating Africa. African-Americans. Yes. And so we're seeing history repeat itself on many levels. And so when we come to this situation, what we see in, in other countries is that there is more of a method of restorative justice in terms of how can people be integrated in society. And I'm talking about before this idea of mass incarceration starts to come to these societies. And of course, there are ways to confine people, but to remove them completely from communities and take away their, their spirit is not really something that has been what was normalized. Now we're kind of looking at this as a regular thing. And in these countries that I've been to, I've been in refugee camps. Mm. I've, I've, I've worked with populations where I've seen people dead, you know, coming to into the camps the next day. I've seen people incarcerated. I've seen casualties of war, lost members of my own family. When last, when I was in Congo, uh, you know, to some of these situations. And I've never seen a situation as inhumane 
as what happened to 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 Mr. Thompson. I, I've never seen that anywhere. And so we talk about being this bastion of democracy across the globe, but mm -hmm. our own inhumanity to our own people is is committed in ways that just has never seen. And let's be also mindful of the fact that Amnesty, Amnesty International often every year implements its human rights reports. And when it tried to do a human rights report in America's prisons, they were denied the opportunity to do this. So as mm -hmm. tragic as this is, we have to be, and as, as serious as this is, we have to be mindful that this is a historic situation as it relates to our treatment of incarcerated individuals, especially black incarcerated individuals. And as Mr. Crump said, this is the most heinous example of it that, I, that any of us have, well, I will speak for myself, that I have, that I have ever seen. My goodness, Dr. Dominga. Um, Dr. Malvo, you are also charged with um, educating uh, bright minds at Cal State University. We had the pleasure of having them here in studio a couple of months ago. And so, to Dr. Dominga's point, when we're listening and watching, um, Dr. Dominga Brock, Amnesty International was not given um, leeway, given permission to go in to be able to assess what is happening here in the country. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, you famously say on this program a lot, particularly when there's an injustice that happens in Mississippi, Mississippi got damn, well, Georgia got damn. Could you talk to us a little bit around um, your thoughts around how you are helping to shape minds to be engaged in really making America reconcile um, with the injustices of mass incarceration um, to black and brown bodies? Well, thank you for the question, and, uh, thank, and thank you for being there with us that day that the students came. They really had, uh, they had a great time. This is graduation week, and black graduation was yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, the main graduation is on Wednesday. And, you know, I, I'm so proud of the students, especially the ones who've chosen to be politically active. Many of them are involved with Black Lives Matter. Many of them have been visiting the prisons. We at Cal State LA actually have a prison program uh, mm. where students are taking classes in jail, and they will graduate. Um, nice. Graduate the first class um, last year, about 30 of them. Nice. And they will graduate, and they will go on to get master's degrees, and they will be fully rehabilitated. The problem with our program is that it's so small. Uh, we just don't have the resources to expand it in a way that we would like to. It's also right now in a male prison, and as you know me, uh, ever the feminist, I'm like, where are the women? Because mm. women are incarcerated as well. But, you know, Renita made a really important point that I just want to pick up on when she talked about it was not schizophrenia. More than a million people a year have schizophrenia in these United States. Mm -hmm. It wasn't schizophrenia that killed that brother. It was torture. That's right. And that's what we have to basically deal with. This was torture. No, they're not going to let Amni... The international. <laughs> yeah, why would they? To mm. see that? You know, to, I mean, you, you, you can't look at that without your stomach being turned. And the picture of the brother's torso with the insects on it. Ooh. This is America. This is America. And so, as I said, I'm proud of the students who are resisting the forces of predatory capitalism. You have to look at, Renita mentioned the jailer um, and a couple others, the people, the guards. But we need to also talk about who who profits from these mm. prisons? Who was making money from these prisons? Is it a public prison or is it a private one? Because private prisons now are making all kinds of money. They're publicly traded on the stock ex exchange. People are investing in other people's misery. And so we really have to really unpack, unpack this. Who gains from this kind of unreasonable incarceration? 
Right. And somebody, believe me, trust and believe that somebody is profiting from this unreasonable incarceration. And so it, it's chilling. And yet, as I said, I, I remain proud of my students and the ones who choose to be politically involved. People who are listening, the only way we stop this nonsense is that we stop this nonsense. You know, Roland always talks about voting. Yeah, if, if you don't vote, you should not care what happens to yourself. Mm. If you choose not to vote, you don't care about the quality of water you drink. Right. You don't care about the street lights in your community. Yep. Don't come crying talking about your child got hit because somebody ran a light or ran a non-existent light. You have a voice in that. But so when you see this, if, if this does not motivate you, what does? You must look at this inhumanity and say, how do we stop this? Absolutely, absolutely. And Renita also brought, brought forward, when you look at sheriffs, when you look at all of these different people, they're on the ballot. So we absolutely have opportunity. We have exercise. While we still have a dwindling democracy, we need to make sure that we are not abdicating our responsibility in saying that the both sides are the same. They're going to do what they want to do anyway, because also, as Renita pointed out, this could be anyone. You think about $2,500. That brother did not have access to $2,500. Think about Khalif Browder and not having access to cash for something that he did not do. And then that brother later on um, and died by suicide. So this is, again, as you just said, Dr. Malvo, this is something that we should all be paying attention to. Um, as difficult as it, as it is, we have to realize that we do actually have say in these things that do happen if we choose to exercise our power. Um, our panel is going to stay right here. We have more stories to cover. You are tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. We will be right back after this break. And keep tuned in, keep staying tuned in to the Black Star Network. See you in just a few minutes. That was a pivotal, pivotal time. I remember mm. Kevin, Kevin Hart telling me that. Um, he's like, man, what you doing, man? You gotta stay on stage. And I was like, yeah, well, I got, you know, I'm young, thinking, yeah, I'm good. And he was absolutely right. What, 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 what show was the other time? This was one-on-one. -on -one. Got During it. During that time. I, and I was, so, you, so you're doing one-on-one, -on -one, yep. going great, yeah. you're making money, you're like, I'm like, I don't need to leave. I don't, I don't need to leave from, you know, thir Wednesday, Thursday to Sunday. I, I, you know, I, I just I didn't want to do that. You know, it was just like, I'm going to stay here. Oh, I didn't want to finish work Friday, fly out, go do a gig Saturday, Sunday. I was like, I don't have to do that. And, and I lost a little bit of that hunger that I had mm. in New York. I would hit all the clubs, run around. I, you know, sometimes me and Chappelle, or me and this one or that one, we'd go to the comedy cellar at one in the morning. And I mean, that was our life. And we loved it. You know, you do two shows in Manhattan, go to Brooklyn, leave Brooklyn, go to Queens, go to Jersey. And I kind of just, I got complacent. Well, I was like, I got this money, I'm good. I don't need to go, I don't need to go chase that because that money wasn't at the same level that I was making, but what I was missing was that training. Yes. Was that, was that. And it wasn't the money. It was the money, you know, it was that, that's what I needed. Muhammad, live from LA. 
And this is The Culture. The Culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together. So let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's The Culture, weekdays at 3, only on the Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Antonique Smith. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden are meeting, having a scheduled meeting at 5.30 to come to an agreement with only 10 days to go until the U.S. risks default. The pair's meeting began an hour ago as negotiators worked to reach a debt ceiling deal that could pass both the Republican-led House and Democrat-led Senate by the end of the month. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that June 1st is the government's, quote, hard deadline, end quote, to raise the debt limit or face a likely first-ever national debt default. The Black Woman's Roundtable and National Council of Negro Women sent a letter to President Biden and Congress asking them to reject policy changes that would increase poverty or threaten health care and well-being of already vulnerable Americans. Friend of the show, Melanie Campbell, the president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, joins me now. Thank you so much for joining us again, uh, Melanie. Always great to have you on The Roland Martin Show. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So great to see you. So um, you um, and the National Council of Negro Women collectively came together with this this letter. And what was struck me as a bit interesting, as we both know that uh, Speaker McCarthy uh, is a was a failed speaker 13 times up until he actually was elected by his own party. But when we look back in the annals of history, back in 95, 96, we see this same playbook from former uh, House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who during the Clinton administration um, wanted to make sure that tax cuts were extended for the wealthy, kind of ensure that the rich and the wealthy were still taken care of at the detriment of education, other policies that President Clinton wanted to put forth. And they actually shut down the government for a total of about 26 days, five days, one time, and then three weeks in 95, 96. So the Republican Party has a blueprint and a playbook that they always go by. The Biden-Harris administration has said that they want to make sure that, um, as you all put in the letter, vulnerable Americans are taken care of. They also want to make sure that veterans are taken care of. Would you please um, spell out uh, a little bit more for the Roland Martin Unfiltered audience what it means um, for the Republicans to be uh, have this slight majority, I think it's 222 to the 213 for number one, this is why people should have made sure that they came out and voted during 2022. We're now dealing with the hostile uh, Republican-led Congress. Why it is important um, for the our, our bills to be paid, and if there is a default, what does vulnerable Americans? What does that actually mean for here us here at home? Uh, uh, thank you, thank you, sister, for. Um the invitation. Well, at the end of the day, it's about uh, poor folks, you know, folks who are already vulnerable. 
That's black people, white people, Latino folks, uh, children, right? Uh, it's about health care, quality. Uh, it's about our seniors. It's about the most vulnerable uh, uh, being the ones who take the brunt. It won't be the wealthy right. who receive, the benefit, receive tax cuts. It's going to be those who are struggling every day to try to make ends meet and those who are not even able to make ends meet. And if, the, if, if we default, uh, it's going to impact the economy. Um, and although people say you know, the economy is you know, thriving you know, outside of inflation issues, the reality is you're still poor folks are still poor. Right. And what was able to happen, uh, we look at being able to offer uh, uh, more uh, SNAP benefits and things like that. It helped pull people out of poverty. And so what it will do is drive up the poverty rate basically overnight. And so that's the concern. And a lot of times people don't want to talk about poverty or oh, that's somebody else's problem, but it's all, it's all of our problem. And so we have to speak up. We have to continue to push. And so I, I, I thank my sister, Reverend Siobhan Arlene Bradley, who's the new president of, uh, of the National Council of Negro Women. We partner up uh, uh, on this and many, many others have spoken uh, from the civil rights and social justice community to just continue to raise our voices. And you mentioned Elections do matter. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is there is another election coming, too, by the way. Right. It's right around the corner. Right. And so we have to make sure we pay attention to these. Uh, th this is what the elects, what makes the, the difference. Who is controlling the purse strings? Who is controlling your tax dollars? Because we talk about also we're talking about our tax dollars that we send up to Washington, D.C., and that we want to make sure that our communities and the most vulnerable are taken care of and have a shot at, 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 at not just uh, surviving, but have the opportunity to, to thrive. Absolutely. And, and to be able to live well, you know, when we think about and you talk about those vulnerable um, Americans, you're talking and you, spe you spelled out, we're talking about people across racial lines. But when we think about those individuals that work in the service communities, um, when we think about people that uh, aren't able to go to work because child care where the state would match benefits of the parent that's working well, that parent is unable to work, so now they're not able to um, contribute to, and a lot of those parents are in the service industry. When we're thinking about um, who's watching our kids or watching your grandchildren, what we're also thinking about, and, and if you would speak to this also under vulnerable Americans, thinking about seniors. You know, Republicans, if they could have it, Melanie, would see Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels is not only for seniors, but I've mentioned this before, I am a person that has disabilities because of a brain injury. Um, and so when you think about people who have differing or disabilities and they aren't able to be out and about, move out and about, that for some of these people, that hot meal is perhaps the only hot meal that they get. Perhaps they don't have family um, or a community of people that they can trust to bring them the meals. So when we're talking about vulnerable Americans, we're talking about all sectors of Americans. Can you talk about um, Republicans who would much rather be chaos agents than actually ensure that the people that they represent in their respective districts are taken care of? Can you talk about you know, this, uh, this notion of not paying bills um, and really putting at risk um, people not being able to go to the Veteran Administration and not being able to get medicines that they may have paid a fraction of the dollar on or may have gotten at no cost. 
not having those services or the VA having to take a significant cut and them not being able to see the practitioner because they've been released? Uh, so you're laying it out, right? All I can say is that's that's the bottom line. It is about just, just basic... In many cases, it's life or death issues that we're talking about. It's about just being able to, to to survive in this country and what you have, and I'm I'm nonpartisan as an organization, but I but I also can can analyze the situation. And unfortunately you have a house that has a leader that is not a leader. Right. Uh, uh, he is he does not have control over his caucus. And so he he can sit there and he can say one thing and go go back and they're not there uh for it. They want you have people who are out and out saying yeah. uh, that they want to this, this country to default on its debt. Right. You have a former president who's saying that outwardly, that let, let it default. And so at the end of the day, they don't care about uh, the country. And unfortunately, they would rather, in order for, and, I, and this is my analysis and not my partisan viewpoint, but my analysis is you would rather see uh, have it so that Biden doesn't have a uh, the Biden Harris administration doesn't have is not successfully do their jobs um, while while uh, so that they can embarrass them uh, for partisan gain and that's all it's about. That's it's all. about it's a, and they don't care about what this is going to do. You have people who have gotten elected, mm -hmm. unfortunately, in this last last uh, uh, um, midterm election, who actually don't believe in. Uh, taking care of the job that they were elected to do. They feel like they're there to make sure that they're there to make sure that the former president uh, is uh, uh, elected again. They're there to make sure that, that, that they, they're able to only have a few. It's really about power at the end of the day yeah. at the cost of, of the least yeah. of those who can afford it. And those uh, and, the, and, and but I do believe I'm, I'm still a, gla a glass half full person believes that we can still keep fighting and the voices have to be louder and louder and hopefully and prayerfully. And I believe in the power of prayer that some kind of way this won't end up uh, defaulting because we don't even know yeah. what that looks like. People think they know. But until it happens. Right. You know, and, um, and and that would be a tragedy for, uh, and it won't just be the United States. It will affect the global market. Global, absolutely. So, uh, uh, so preferably we will continue to raise our voices uh, and ask others to do the same. And, and one thing that is important is people will like to put a face on poverty that is black and brown people. It's poverty across this nation. Yes, yeah. we are disproportionately poorer because we don't have the wealth, and that's historic. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to come to everybody's door, Absolutely. other than those who are the most wealthy who can afford to uh, to uh, lose a few million, some cases billion dollars, and keep moving. Amen. I stand in agreement with you on that prayer and that also we're only 13 percent of the population, but definitely uh, do disproportionately and uh, run across a lot of those sectors. I want to bring in my panel here. Um, we only have time for about one question. So, Dr. Dominga, uh, in about 30 seconds, uh, your question for Melanie Campbell. Uh, thank you, Ms. Campbell. I really appreciate everything you do for our community. My question is, could you speak about the idea that the Republicans are saying, well, we want to get these people working who aren't working. This notion that they're targeting people who are already working and trying to basically stereotype them. Uh, 
Exactly. Ooh, I see my sister, Dr. Julianne Malvo. I want to let her answer that question, quite frankly, because I know she can break it down <laughs> in real time. But I do my very best, Julianne, right? But at the end of the day, we know that disproportionately black and brown people, uh, uh, because we have a higher poverty weight, mm -hmm. do have to depend on things like SNAP and TANF and others. But, but it is we are not the majority population, as mentioned. And so when you talk about work requirements, um, as if there aren't work requirements in many cases anyway, but the, it's really sending a signal that you just this is about the folks who don't want to work and who the, and, and that dog whistle. So the person is sitting up there going, yeah, tear it down, going to be the very white person, quite frankly, who's going to need that same thing. They're going after saying this is about the black and the brown people, but it's truly going to hit their street, just like it's going to hit our street. But that's not how they want to frame it. And so it's been a historic problem that we've had in this country, uh, welfare queens, all those historic mm. things. This is where Ronald Reagan, and, and, and in my lifetime, just seeing how they want to paint the face of poverty as it being uh, uh, black and brown people only. But truth of the matter is we are not the majority population. As a collective of people of color, we are the majority. But the poverty rate in this country is still very, very high, and people are having a hard time just making ends meet. And so now we're going to put more stress on the backs of what was poor people in this country just so somebody can have a, a partisan advantage. Wow. Melanie Campbell, friend of the show, Freedom Rights Fighter, thank you as always for being a guest on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. And we're going to hear from our panel. Roland Martin Unfiltered, we'll be right back. We're going to take this quick break. Keep, stay connected with us right here on the Black Star Network. We talk about blackness and what happens in black culture. We're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Next, right here on the frequency, the woman they call the gifted eye, hip hop celebrity photographer Koi Soldier. She's the master storyteller that captured the history of hip hop through the lens of her camera. Tupac comes out, the next thing you know, you didn't know who they were at first. You just seen all these dudes just come rushing the stage. <laughs> then you realize Biggie gets a bottle of champagne, he pops it open, sprays it on the crowd, he drinks the bottle. Boy Soldier, the hip hop celebrity photographer, joining me right here on the next episode of The Frequency on the Black Star Network. What's up, what's up? I'm Dr. Ricky Dillard, the choir master. Hi, I'm Amber Stevens-West from The Carmichael Show. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Oh.
Oh, South Carolina, South Carolina. Your Senator Tim Scott officially launched his 2024 presidential bid. The only black Republican senator spent roughly 40 minutes telling supporters in his hometown of North Charleston why he's the best man to become the next president. Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash the Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States of America. I'm the candidate the far left fears the most. You see, when I cut your taxes, they called me a prop. When I refunded the police, they called me a token. When I pushed back on President Biden, they even called me the N-word. I disrupt their narrative. I threaten their control. The truth of my life disrupts their lies. Would we truly be? Bless him, Lord. Last month, Scott released a video anchored around the anniversary of the start of the Civil War, criticizing Joe Biden and the, quote, radical left for promoting, as Tim says it, victimhood instead of personal responsibility. 
my, my. He says Democrats weaponize race when challenged over failures and accuse them of trying to indoctrinate children into believing they live in an evil country. Well, I'm going to bring in the choir. Um, Dr. Malvo, you had the distinct pleasure. Uh, we're talking about uh, the debt ceiling. Uh, we're also talking about the lone black Republican, uh, the one responsible for making sure the George Floyd Justice Act did not uh, become a reality. Right. Uh, and, and so here he is, uh, a single man running for president. Uh, I think that last time I checked, he was polling in single digits in his own state, um, saying that he is really... Captain Save the Soul of America. I'm not going to say the other thing, but, you know, Captain Save the Soul. Dr. Malvo, what say you of Timothy Scott here to save America with all his gums? I guess I can't use any profanity. So um, let me just say this man is an abomination and a vexation. Republicans have been very canny in using black uh, Republicans uh, to send signals. They're not going to elect them. They will send signals. I was just reminiscing with a friend about the 2000 uh, election. Mm. Yeah, I've been around that long. When um, I wrote a book with a, with a white Republican called Unfinished Business, a Democrat and Republican take on the most important issues women face. Mm. We ended up doing town halls in um, Philly where the Republicans had met, and I got put off the Republican bus because they knew that I was not a Republican. So I had a pass, but they put me off the bus. And we, we did a town hall also here in L.A. But um, the reason I bring this up is because you would have thought you were watching BET my, my, in 2000 my. if you watched Republican convention. They had a black choir. They had, I forgot the, the black conservative that they were pipping out that time. They had a black <laughs> conservative that was on three or four different things. And, and they're very canny in doing that. Right. But the, these, you know, I don't just, I don't, um, Tim Scott is entitled to his opinion. He's entitled to his politics. But the way that he will be used right. is what gives me must pause. He will be used. And let's not, you know, we talked about the budget uh, in the last segment. I just want to say one quick thing. We're forgetting about Social Security. Come on. We're forgetting about Social Security and the number of people who paid into that system right. and will be cut. They have said they will have to cut the budget by 22 percent of non-defense spending. Think about it. So if your mama was getting a thousand dollar check, now she's getting seven, she's getting seven eighty. If she needed that money to pay her rent, right. she's gonna get less. So we really have to be clear about the ele electoral consequences of this debt ceiling and all these shenanigans. And he's part of one of, he's one of the shenanigans. I mean he is a full fledged shenanigan. Um this this you know he quotes the scripture. The scripture says something about, I was hungry my, my. and you didn't give me anything to eat. That's scripture. Right. This other stuff, uh, this other stuff is nonsense. But, you know, I, again, I don't doubt his sincerity. I doubt his intelligence. Mm. 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 And you are a resident economist, so really thank you for um, bringing forward, because that's why I said we're definitely going to talk about, uh, continue our conversation on the debt ceiling, um, as well as the lone black Republican in Congress uh, responsible for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act not coming to light. 
But, you know, in, in terms of thinking about, and I'm glad you brought forward Social Security because, you know, Social Security, there are many people that receive Social Security across, um, across the strata. And so when you think about it, and I'm glad you teased out that 22% cut and what that will mean, then what does that mean for people who, you know, don't have that $300 balance or less and there's no one else in their family that can do that? We're talking about Meals on Wheels, Social Security. We're talking about child care. We're talking about veterans. We're talking about the breadth of America that Republicans are saying, we don't give a damn, and we're going to continue to be chaos agents. And you might not have any election power by the time we have anything to do with it. It is why it is important for people to engage, because the math does impact you. Uh, Renita, you are a former lawmaker. Um, Mr. Tim Scott, um, and I'm glad that, Dr. Malvo, you brought forward the scripture, uh, because he was also quoted as saying, amen, amen, and amen, Tim Scott was. But there's also a scripture that talks about woe, which is uh, for people that study and connected with the Bible understand that's a huge word. Woe unto those who legislate evil. So while they're all dancing and, you know, Tim Scott has 22 million in his coffers that he can pass over to his presidential election, um, they're racking up points elsewhere that will be for their own detriment. Talk to us a little bit about the responsibility of lawmakers and what it means when lawmakers won't speak truth to power, to say things that um, it, I always crack up when I hear the, the leftists and, you know, all of this kind of language that is ginned up um, by white nationalists, uh, black, white-facing nationalists, whatever people, you know, have, however they identify themselves, Republicans, people that would literally take food out of the mouth, kick, dance on the graves of people who... Um, are suffering and don't have enough um, to assume these positions, Renita, and um, then really use it for their own political advancement. Talk to us a little bit about then what does it mean when people don't um, engage in the vote and allow this type of um, this type of person to continue to advance. Well, so my feelings on him running are kind of complex because having been a uh, Democrat who it was in elected office, I've seen what it looks like to be a black person, um, regardless of party, but particularly on Democratic side, running for higher office. And so my thoughts in uh, seeing him run are that this is familiar. This is what happened with Herman Cain. Um, the Republicans are really good at allowing black candidates to uh, run for whatever office they want and have aspirations to run for whatever office they want. They're great at that. The problem is, is that when you read their platform, it is inherently anti-black. Mm -hmm. And so I say that because look at the slogan of what he's saying. He's saying victory over victimhood. What that does is minim th that kind of minimalizes what black people are facing every day that they have no control over. When you're talking about a mentality, a mentality of victi victory over victimhood, what that almost says is that any problem that you have, black people, in your life is due to the way that you think about living life. It basically erases uh, systemic oppression that we know is obvious. Look at what we just saw with LaShawn Thompson. Once again, I think the most important part of that case is the fact that that man had not been convicted of anything. He had just been arrested. Anybody can be accused of anything. And so I think people like Tim Scott miss 
that there are systematic things um, that are that there are systems in this country that actively and every day work against black Americans. And it doesn't matter what your attitude is about those systems. Those systems are in place. And so to pretty much chalk this up to this is all about your attitude. And if you just didn't see yourself as a victim, then you could be doing a lot better. It's just really disingenuous. But I will say this. As someone who uh, ran for higher office um, as a Democrat, what I tend to see, and I was having a conversation about this the other day with some elected officials, racism is thick on the right, but anti-blackness is thick on the left. Mm. And still have a problem with holding back black candidates when they decide to run for higher office. Mm. They do not get the support. In fact, we get outright pushback from folks on the left and within the party. And so this is where they are, you know, Democrats have got to get it together because you're going to allow Republicans to beat you when it comes to having these historic first elections. I know we're going to talk about um, Daniel Cameron later on um, in, in the show, but you are going to allow uh, them to sort of beat you to some of these firsts because they do not put any guardrails against uh, black folks running for higher office in their party. Like Dr. Malvo said, they're not going to vote for him. But the point is, this is there's not another black person going out saying, well, the Republicans stopped me from running. They love that he's up there. It helps them as a shield for the racism that they regularly get accused of. So all is well as long as you don't read their platform. Uh, that's just really where I am with that. Yeah. I mean, and, and the truth of the matter is, you know, folks like uh, Tim Scott, Timothy, uh, definitely always will have um, nice coffers because they themselves are anti-black. So it gives those people that are in the party that, you know, for some, you know, read where um, there were some people that talked about they weren't uh, with the Trump rhetoric. So they felt a lot more safe. They felt a lot more shielded being behind a black-facing person uh, who is just as harmful to black and communities of colors as a Tim Scott, but not an outright white nationalist, racist, um, Russia sympathizer like uh, Donald Trump. What's interesting um, that also was watching some programming a couple weeks ago, and when we look at that type of, um, that type of Republican stronghold, they were at a college in New Hampshire, and just want to have Dr. Melvo touch on this um, just quickly, 18 to 24-year-olds, and they talked about their support of Donald Trump um, not necessarily one was vocal, one wasn't vocal, but because they wanted to see the party advance. If you could, just very quickly, Dr. Malvo, talk about the importance of that youth vote. Um, we've seen the, that number continue to be a troublesome number, just as it is for the 50% in this country that don't vote across um, whatever age group, but particularly for that 18 to 24-year-old age group. In the final um, just minute, could you just talk about the importance of engaging? Because I'm telling you, the 18 to 24-year-olds, the white kids at college, they are definitely engaging and they are volunteering on campaigns. And our kids are not. Black kids do not tend to be. Some of them are, and proud of those who are. But many of them, especially when you look at a campus like Cal State LA, students are working, they've got kids, you know, they're taking care of elderly parents, and they feel like they don't have time for politics. Mm. And yet they must know that politics, again, affect, affects everything. The, uh, but the other thing about youth is that they are, many of them have a short timeline, because they're young. So their, their, question, their mantra is, what have you done for me lately? So many of them, as an example, 
love the fact that Biden, President Biden, talked about cutting student loan debt. But what have they? What has he done for them lately? So the word lately comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. And without understanding the political process, you know, Pew just released a report that said that I think it was like 13 percent of young people understood the legislative process. Um, oh, something like 20 percent could understand the Constitution. So when you have that, and, and schools have cut civics, right. high schools have cut civics education. So when you see that, you, you're basically systematically separating young people from the political process. I love seeing these young white kids involved, but I want to see young black kids and brown kids involved, too. Yeah. Many of them are, but we need more. The youth vote may be the balance of who wins this election. Get engaged. Thank you so much. And our panel, and we will be right back. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Stay connected with us. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. Democracy in the United States is under siege. On this list of bad actors, it's easy to point out the Donald Trumps, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, or even the United States Supreme Court as the primary villains. But as David Pepper, author, scholar, and former politician himself says, there's another factor that trumps them all and resides much closer to many of our homes. His book, is Laboratories of Autocracy, a wake-up call from behind the lines. So these state houses get hijacked by the far right, then they gerrymander, they suppress the opposition, and that allows them to legislate in a way that doesn't reflect the people of that state. David Pepper joins us on the next Black Table, here on the Black Star Network. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, we're talking about leveling up, or to put it another way, living your very best life. How to take a bold step forward that'll rock your world. Leveling up is different for everybody. You know, I think we fall into this trap, which, which often gets us stuck because we're looking at someone else's level up journey, what leveling up means to them. For some, it might be a business venture. For some, it might be a relationship um, situation, but it's different for everybody. It's all a part of a balanced life. That's next on Black Star Network. How y'all doing? It's your favorite funny girl, Amanda Seals. Hi, I'm Anthony Brown from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And you are tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. I am Erica Savage filling in for Roland Martin. We have just been having a robust conversation on the debt ceiling and on Timothy Scott, Senate Republican, lone black Republican that has thrown in his hat in the presidential race. My brother, Dr. Dominga, before we continue to have conversations um, around people that are throwing in their hats for different uh, races, I wanted to get your thoughts around um, Senator Tim Scott and something that I just find to be profound, which is, you know, you heard Dr. Malvo, you heard Renita talk about you know, how he's positioned and postured himself, um, his campaign slogan from victory to victim, from victimhood to victory, however that goes. But he continues to pound on this thought that this country is not inherently racist, um, which I find to be uh, really interesting to him. And as I was just saying in a conversation with uh, Dr. Malvo, that, you know, he really is one that, Folks are some folks um, who were willing to share 
feel more comfortable, um, they say in the primary, voting for him rather than a Donald Trump who is outright a white nationalist, and this is in my opinion. Can you talk a little bit about um, Timothy and uh, his $22 million for his presidential campaign run and what he's signaling to people with regard to being a safe person to vote for? Yeah, when you uh, came to us, when you started this segment and I was covering my mouth, it was because I, I was laughing when, in his ad, he said, the left fears me. And, and, you know, he, he's not running for, for, for president. He's, in my, he's running for some other form of office, maybe to set him up as a potential vice presidential candidate, Agreed. maybe somebody who could have a, a secretary position, something to that effect. He's not even going to win South Carolina, let's be very honest. The fact of the matter is he wants to be somebody who has influence. He's going to raise, obviously, he has $22 million already. He wants to get more so he can be able to gain influence as it relates to supporting other candidates. But when it comes down to his policies, let's be, be really clear. There are Republicans have never had a non-white male presidential candidate in in its history, mm -hmm. the uh, nominee, I should say. And the fact of the matter is that in this cycle that we're in right now, with this wave of, of, of racism and, and extremism, no white male candidate, um, only a white male candidate will be a nominee for the Republican Party. Scott doesn't have a chance, Nikki Haley doesn't have a chance, right. so on and so forth. But look, if, if Senator Scott owned a restaurant, the, 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 the restaurant will be called Waffles. Woo! Why? Because he's, dem he's demonstrated no serious commitment to anything. He's never fully answered the question on what he would do if an abortion bill got to his desk. He talks about supporting the police, but he, then at the same time, he talks about, oh, I actually worked with, with uh, Democratic senators on police reform, though he tanked it, like you mentioned. When it comes to other policies relating to guns, he's waffled on that as well. And so, really, at the end of the day, he is going to be somebody who, like Mike Pence, who's going to straddle the fence on every particular issue while coming back to this Protestant work ethic about pulling himself up from his bootstraps and growing up in an apartment with a single mom. He speaks as if he was a single mom. So, he, like, he acts like he understands all the issues single parents go through. No, you, you, you lived under it, but you weren't that. So, he mm. can't really speak to the experiences other than speaking down about black people. And so, when he talks about the country's not inherently racist, he's talking about something that his donors want to see, but the rest of the country, as it relates to independent-minded voters, I can't think of a particular issue that independent-minded voters are going to side with him on outside of the issues relating to maybe gun control. We see, generally speaking, even with that, there's more the desire to have more gun control. We see more people are fighting more for women's rights with all of these decisions that are being made across the country. And so, yeah, there might be some independent-leaning Republicans, but generally speaking, to appeal to the larger party, he has no shot. So he's not running for president right now. He's running for influence. And I am not dining at Waffles. Period. And, and listen, I, I want to add to that name. I love that restaurant, uh, that whole piece. I want to add Waffles and Pretzels because he will absolutely contort himself to any form for that level of acceptance. And I agree with you that he, I, that has been my long-held belief that he is absolutely, absolutely not running for president, that it was historic to have that amount of money in the coffers for the presidential bid. So I'm really looking at, as you uh, just pointed out, Dr. Dominga, if not vice president, some type of cabinet position, because he absolutely is not going to win the primary. As I mentioned before, he's polling in single digits, him and um, 
uh, Nikki Haley, both in their home state of South Carolina, it's definitely um, a dead horse. Uh, so this brings us to Kentucky's first black attorney general has won the Republican primary for governor, becoming the first major party black nominee for the governor in the state's history. Daniel Cameron, who former President Donald Trump, the son of a Klansman, endorsed, emerged victorious from a 12-candidate field. Cameron will face off with Democratic incumbent Andy Bashir in November in Kentucky. Democrats say Cameron... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply can't be trusted. The last four AGs here, the last four AGs were more aspiring governors than they were law enforcement officials. You had two attorney generals that you just noted who have decided that after three and a half years that they want to run for another office. I'm running for attorney general and nothing else. With uh, General Bashir, he doesn't find this job satisfactory. He doesn't find the job challenging enough to stay in this office. He's looking for a different platform. Again, I think this office needs continuity and stability over the next decade, and I intend to bring that over the eight years. I'm, I'm hopeful uh, if, uh, if I can get through this first hurdle in November. We've had individuals that uh, have run for this office uh, just as a stepping stone to another office, and I think the law enforcement community is tired of that. I think Kentucky is ready for an attorney general that thinks that this is a job worth having, and it's a job worth having for more than just three and a half years. The last three consecutive attorney generals have all been looking for different pastures. Look, I have no interest in any other job. I'm Daniel Cameron, and that's exactly the kind of governor I will be. <laughs> Cameron faced much criticism about how he handled the Breonna Taylor shooting case. He told Fox News he did what was right regarding that investigation. 
Kentucky history to see an African-American assume the governor's office. But there is, you know, the criticism of you and your handling of how police responded to the Breonna Taylor shooting back in 2020. And I'm just wondering how you negotiate that, explain that. Do you feel a need to? Well, I'm proud of the work that our office did in investigating and uh, prosecuting this case. Uh, my responsibility, and I know folks here in Kentucky understand that, my responsibility is to the laws of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, not narratives that are created by MSNBC or CNN or the far left. And people here in Kentucky respect me because I stood my ground. I did what was right by our laws. And I did what was right without fear, favor, and regardless of folks, even if they protested on our front line. And so that is what folks want here in Kentucky for a governor. They want somebody that's going to stand firm for our values uh, and not cower to the far left or the uh, woke ideology that's trying to make its way into Kentucky. I'm going to be a governor for the people of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and that's why we're going to win in November. Renita, your thoughts on Daniel Cameron, and uh, this is a person who was sworn in with uh, two black women by his side, his mother and his sister. Um, and uh, honestly, uh, <laughs> he's uh, still has the blood of Breonna Taylor's hand, um, Breonna Taylor's blood on his hands. Uh, talking about he's standing his ground, what are your thoughts on his uh, primary win? Well, my thoughts are that this exactly makes my point about what I was saying before. Now that he has got the nomination for them, he has a very good chance of becoming Kentucky's next governor. And the only reason that that could even really happen is not because Republicans are so wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's happening because Democrats do not have a do not allow black progressive candidates when they decide to run for higher office to, to um, actually to actually do that and support them in the ways that they should. You need a black progressive candidate to literally say to Daniel Cameron, you know, how do you soothe the concerns of everyday black Kentuckians who are probably worried that they could be sleeping in their bed and find themselves um, getting awakened to police shooting and killing them? You know, this is something that he's been unable to resolve. And so when he says that they, you know, the police did the right thing, you know, that is something that does nothing to resolve anybody's concerns. Breonna Taylor was sleeping in her bed and she was murdered by police. That can happen to any black person. And anybody who knows the story knows that that is the truth. And so I think this really just makes my point about in order to defeat these black Republicans who are running campaigns that are not centered on the real issues that black people have to deal with, you've got to have other black candidates um, from the left who actually know what time it is and who can force people like him to have tough conversations. Otherwise, you're going to continue to see people like Dameron Cameron float right up and the Republicans will can elect him to office. And Dr. Dabinga, uh, to Renita's point, I remember there was a candidate in Kentucky that ran for um, office, uh, Charles Booker, um, who um, uh, didn't um, win. He didn't advance and move forward. So, you know, besides having the social media power, can you talk a little bit about, number one, your response to his primary win, but then what are the some of the other resources that are needed? That first video that we saw was something that was launched by Kentucky Democrats. What are some of the other resources that are necessary uh, to propel an exact wins in a state like Kentucky? Well, first of all, I think when we going back to this idea of, of waffling, I mean, that video that you shared was was classic as it relates to him not showing that he's committed to, to the community. Look, the fact of the matter is that, as, as Renita was saying, you know, he has a—I know that people say Andy Bashir has a 63 percent approval rating and that, therefore, you know, is probably no chance of winning. But 
One of the other reasons, in addition to everything uh, Renita said, which is true about support, which I'll get to in a second, that these people are able to rise to the top is because we take things for granted. We think that if so, if we have a Democratic governor, it's going to remain Democratic. If something has in place, it's not going to change. That's how Hillary lost the election, to be quite honest. And so when people see that and see the popularity of somebody like Governor Bashir, they think that this is a wrap. But look, mm. this is somebody who has the backing of not only Donald Trump, but also Mitch McConnell, who still holds a lot of sway in Kentucky, whether we like him or not. And so that's something that we have to be mindful of. In order to beat, his, uh, beat him and, and other people within these states, one of the challenges of the DNC is that they have a very bad history, of, even outside of black candidates, of not supporting Democratic candidates in these red states. I was just listening to a representative from Nebraska over the weekend who was talking about her, the legislation against her trans son that's taking place there. I forget her name. But she was saying she's actually thinking of leaving the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party will put out advertisements about supporting LGBTQ rights and the like, but won't pour money into Democratic candidates in red states because they feel like it's already a lost cause. And so Democrats', Democrats inability to actually fight in these red states is what leads people like Daniel Cameron to believe that they have a chance to be able to rise to the governorship and maybe someday even the presidency. And so if we haven't learned our lesson now, when are we going to learn it? At the end of the day, men, even with DeSantis in Florida, he didn't win because there was a massive wave to get out and support him. Right. It was voter apathy that got him in and he won by 34,000 votes. Yep. So if we don't start to get this together now, there's no telling where, where Cameron can go. My goodness. And we're going to come back from this break and um, have Dr. Malvo share her sentiments. But I also want to say, and you all, not you all, but folks have got to stop listening to celebrities. Okay? Get engaged in the vote. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. We'll be right back right after this break. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, the wealth gap has literally not changed in over 50 years, according to the Federal Reserve. On the next Get Wealthy, I'm excited to chat with Jim Castleberry, CEO of Known Holdings. They have created a platform, an ecosystem to bring resources to Blacks and people of color so they can scale their business. Even though we've had several examples of um, African-Americans and other people of color being able to be successful, we still aren't seeing the mass level of us being lifted up. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punch! A real uh, revolutionary right now. I thank you for being the voice of Black America. All the momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black own media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Hey, I'm Arnaz J. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Stay woke. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash the Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning back in to Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. I am Erica Savage filling in for Roland Martin today. And uh, we've just been talking about, uh, we've got uh, Timothy Scott, senator out of South Carolina, uh, that has announced his run for president. Now we have uh, Daniel Cameron, the attorney general of Kentucky, with the hands of Breonna Taylor still on his hands, has announced, uh, well, he's won his Republican primary uh, for governor there. And so... We were just having that conversation with Renita and Dr. Dominga. Dr. Malvo definitely wanted to bring you in on this conversation because uh, one of the points that Renita brought up is uh, the failure of the Democratic Party to really, um, um, really support uh, progressive candidates. Um, and uh, Dr. Dominga was talking about someone who uh, was saying that they wanted to leave the party because um, as a result of the Dems, they do run ads. Um, in support of LGBTQIA plus communities and trans uh, uh, trans individuals, but there's not a full-throated support. And I was just saying before the break, uh, with regard to the voter apathy that Dr. Dominga mentioned in Florida, that one of the things that um, people need not do is rely or take direction from celebrities uh, when they are making a educated decision about 
whether or not to engage the vote. And not engaging the vote is a vote. Um, and as we can see, and um, maybe we'll get a moment to talk about this later, there's been now an advisory that was issued um, from the NAACP about um, doing, um, you know, travel in Florida. So if you would uh, take us back to Daniel Cameron and what this win means uh, for him um, to now be re representing Republicans in the primary um, to possibly be uh, the governor of Kentucky in November. Well, the issues could not be more stark if you look at what's going on in Kentucky. This man, is he's, he's not 40 yet. Um, he was on Trump's shortlist to appoint to the Supreme Court the, with the list that had been uh, developed by, I forget, Judicial Watch, I believe the name of the organization is. So, I mean, he, he's dangerous. He's young. He's hungry. You know, he's, he's attractive. He's uh, well-spoken. But guess what? He's also basically, as you said, has the blood of Breonna Taylor on his hands, doesn't think he did anything wrong. And without thinking he did anything wrong, there's no room for growth here. He's stuck in these positions. But the Democratic Party has an awful lot to account for. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I call myself a yellow dog Democrat because I vote for a yellow dog if they were a Democrat. I sure wouldn't vote for a Republican. But the fact is that the Democratic Party has dropped the ball all too many times. They have not supported black candidates. As Renita said, they have a ceiling for black candidates. You can only go so far. I know black folks who are Republicans. They're Republicans because they say the line is too long in the Democratic Party. As a black person who's well-spoken, who's relatively progressive, they can move up in the Republican Party. They can't move up in the Democratic Party because someone just wrote a piece um, and called it the octogerontology, which the basis there meaning that we have so many Democratic legislators who are 80-something, 80-something. Mm. Now, I ain't mad at them. I'll be 70 in September. But you know, there's, some, there's a point at which you sit your behind down. Mm. You nurture the young talent. You have a posse around you. You know, Senator Feinstein, I've known her forever when she was mayor of San Francisco. I think she's terrific. I also think at this point, I don't think it's sexist. I don't think it's ageist. I think she's losing it. And given that, it, it would do herself and the Democratic Party a favor just and sit down and enjoy her retirement. Mm. But she's not going to do that. And that's you. So you have too many Democrats. I love Bernie Sanders. I think he's terrific. He hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. But guess what, dude? You know, maybe it's time. And so Democrats don't do that. They impose a ceiling. The power of incumbency is way too strong. Mm. And so very few in the Democratic Party are willing to stand up to an incumbent who may be too old, impaired, or something else, it's their turn. They tell people, wait your turn. Well, younger people are not trying to wait their turn. Mm. They want change and they want it now. And so if you look at it, and they, and younger people, that's, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, the boy who got kicked off CNN, Don Lemon, talking about Nikki Haley being half past her prime. It's ironic that someone in their 50s would be considered, you know, old. But basically, this is what we're looking at, a Democratic Party that has not moved with the times. I personally think that both Democrats and Republicans are played out. Mm. I think it's time for a movement that really talks about establishing new political parties. I would love to see the multi-party system that you have in European countries, because it really does force people to negotiate. 
You would not end up with a debt ceiling crisis if you have multi-parties and people having to meet each other halfway. These people are just ossified. They don't have to meet each other halfway. They are where they are, and they're not trying to change it. And we need to be where we are in terms of saying time for new leadership or newer leadership. Early, is I I think it's over time, and I just don't think that uh, them the powers that be, I really get it. I mean, when you look at the Congress, last yeah Nancy Pelosi, who again my Congresswoman from San Francisco, lover, 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 Jim Clyburn, solid brother from South Carolina, love him, love him, love him, and who was the third woman? Anyway, they all were eighty plus. Right. What does that say to younger people? Mm -hmm. What does that say to younger people in terms of looking for their turn? their possibilities. And it didn't seem to me that any of the three had really developed a cadre around it so that if heaven forbid something should happen, who's going to, where are you going to have a scramble where mm -hmm. Republicans come in? Or are you, are you training people to be potentially your successors? Well, I will say this, that with Republicans, and we're going to go on to our next story, that they definitely do start the training early. So they have, you know, Republican uh, clubs throughout high school. You know, their parents are Republicans, college, things of that nature. And with respect to Dianne Feinstein and to Bernard Sanders, uh, you know, Dianne Feinstein is actually maybe um, in the way of a black woman being appointed by Governor Newsom uh, to be in the Senate. And then we think about Bernie Sanders just very recently. I call him Mr. Post Office, but uh, he actually did not vote um, for uh, one of the article, the, the newest Article Three judge there um, that will be seated in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, uh, Nancy Abadu. Um, it was, I believe, a 49-48. It was a very, very close vote. Chris Coons came up from New York after his daughter graduated, but Bernard Sanders did not uh, vote in that in that very, very narrow vote uh, that did um, make uh, Nancy Abadu from Georgia um, the 12th judge on that appellate court. So congratulations to her, but Bernard do better, and we definitely do need um, to be more aggressive and make sure that that 50 percent that's not voting in the United States does vote. A Michigan hospital employee instructed to walk through a state-run psychiatric hospital for children doing an unannounced active shooter drill was, be, was suing after he was handcuffed by police. On December 21st, 2022, the Hawthorne Center conducted an active shooter drill without telling patients, most of the staff, or the Northfield Township police. Many people inside the center said they were terrified when an announcement came on the loudspeaker that active shooters were on the premises. Brandon Woodruff was armed with a fake rifle when patients panicked and dialed 911. Dozens of officers in tactical gear rushed to the scene to find employees sprawled on the ground, telling officers it was a drill. According to the lawsuit, Woodruff did not know people had not been warned of the drill. When Woodruff ex exited the building, he was met with, get this, heavily armed police officers yelling at him to get down. Woodruff reportedly got down on the ground face down, and activated his smartwatch to call his wife, who recorded what she heard. Woodruff said that he feared for his life and wanted to make sure that his wife, my God, listened to the last moments of his life. 
Y'all, it is so much going on. And again, here we are talking about a story. I definitely want to bring my panel back in for the next couple of minutes. But here we are talking about a story from 2022, uh, this one in December 2022, um, of a man who could have lost his life, quite frankly, because we know the police are all too trigger happy when it comes to black and brown folks. Um, this is really good that um, he still had the presence of mind to at least alert a family member, his wife, um, and ask and get her to record. Um, thank God those weren't the last minutes of his life. Um, but Dr. Um, Dr. Dabinga, talk to us about this level of trauma that we continue to see played out um, uh, he, over and over again brought to the media's knowledge or not brought to the media's knowledge? What does this mean for our community? Well, first of all, I mean, this whole... I, I cannot believe that he was not killed. I mean, all of these stories of, that we see as it relates to us getting killed for, for, for less, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that he was able to survive. And mm -hmm. secondly, I mean, this is something that no Black person should ever agree to in, in, in the first place, to do something like this, whether everybody knows about it or not, especially nowadays. As somebody who works in schools and speaks at schools across the country and former classroom teacher, K-12, to before I started teaching at the university, everybody always knew about the drills and what was going to go on. So I think the people who organize this should face some type of charges criminally for endangering so many people. And I'm glad they're facing the lawsuits. As it relates to our community, this is important that people understand that it's not just the actual killings that traumatize us. It is situations like this as well. What this whole thing, we've been talking about this even with the story of Mr. Thompson. You know, Renita said this, Dr. Mavo said this. How many times have we said this tonight? It could literally be any one of us. As it relates to Notice how he kind of knew the procedure. What do we do whenever we encounter cops? Stop, right. make sure our hands are up, and activate some type of recording device, right? Because we just never know, and we don't want to leave it up to their dash cams, which they can redact and do whatever they want. But he wanted to... But then the fact that, that his wife would possibly have to hear his last words... How many situations have we seen? Philando Castile, uh, Walter, the, the brother in, in, in the store in... Um, I believe it was Scott, brother Scott Walker, I believe, in the store, who was walking around with a with a toy gun in the Walmart, right? Who whose whose girlfriend had to hear him die, and I apologize if I got the name wrong, but you know who had to hear him die, and 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 you know the father hearing him say the gun's not even real. So th those type of situations are traumatic for us because we don't even need to be carrying a fake rifle. We could be in a Trayvon Martin type situation, and so people need to understand. In my book, that's coming out: lies about black people, how to combat racist stereotypes, and why. It matters. I cite a Harvard study that shows that when these situations arise before social media and the internet and the like, these situations will be traumatic for pe black people within a certain radius of where a situation happened. But now, because of social media, it's something that is impactful for us, not only across the country, but across the globe. And these are real psychological issues that we as black people and we don't have the services in our community to be able to treat these or recognize the signs. So we are re-traumatized with situations like this, and it's really tragic. Absolutely. Lies About Black People, Dr. Dominguez's book is going to be out on shelves really soon, so make sure you cop that. Um, we got about 30 seconds. We're going to go to Renita and then to, uh, to Dr. Malvo. Renita, your comment. Well, I'm a Congo made much, many of the points that I wanted to say, um, but I just want to reiterate one thing. You know, I never, I, I never uh, assume that I know what's going through a person's head when they make certain decisions. But to Amakongo's point, 
black people, please think about what people are asking you to do. Think about if that is a good idea for you as a black person. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe this man was thinking that he would be fired if he didn't, you know, assume the role that they wanted him to assume. But if you do, you know, just speaking to the black community in general, if you do have the resources and that is not a worry for you, please think about what you're being asked to do, because he is very, very lucky that he did not lose his life. I'm glad that he is suing. But I also think, too, that too many black people are walking around thinking and believing the nonsense that we hear from some people, as we mentioned before, like the Daniel Camerons of the world, mm -hmm. that, you know, everything is all equal and situations and circumstances will not be different for you because you are black. Yes, it will be different. And you need to take that into account before you make decisions about what you will or will not do. That is an excellent point to bring up. He was five months on the job, Renita, to your point. Uh, Dr. Malville, in about 30 seconds, your comment. Well, I wonder who, what possessed who to ask this brother to play the role of an active shooter? Mm. I mean, what possessed who? Would they have asked a white man to do that? No. Because it seems to me that whoever did this either was missing a brain cell or just was not very thoughtful, has a head in the clouds, doesn't watch the news. You see a black man with a rifle. What do you think is going to happen? Mm. I mean, truly, what do you think is going to happen? So, I, I mean, he's suing uh, the hospital and he's perfectly... or. The, I'm, he's suing, and he's perfectly within his rights to do so. But I would certainly question the administration mm. at that hospital. And as Omakongo said, perhaps look at some of them as being liable for criminal charges. They willingly, yeah. deliberately endangered this man's life. Yeah. That's what they did. And they're, I, I, he must be traumatized. His wife must be traumatized. And as mm -hmm. Richard Wright once said, when there's a lynching in Mississippi, I can feel it in Chicago. Mama. When mm -hmm. black people watch this, when black people watch this, this is trauma. Absolutely. So people tell folks, will you cooperate with the police? The answer to that will be like, oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you cooperate with the police and put yourself in physical jeopardy? That's what this man did. He cooperated with his supervisors five months on the job. That did make a difference. Yeah. But still, why would you ask such a newbie, yeah. such a newbie to do such a thing? Was it a test to see if he was down with the program? My goodness. Well, we're blessed to still have Mr. Woodruff here. Thank you so much, Dr. Malvo. Don't you go anywhere. Stay right here. Roland Martin Unfiltered will be right back on the Black Star Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Hatred on the streets. A horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Hey, I'm Cupid, the maker of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Take a look at this baby. London Gray has been missing from Fort Wayne, Indiana since May 2nd, 2023. This nine-year-old baby is four feet, two inches tall, weighs 65 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. She may be in the company of her mother. Anyone, please, if you have information, about this baby, London Gray, should call the Fort Wayne, Indiana Police Department at 260-427-1222. So we're almost at that time, y'all, almost the unofficial kickoff for summer. And for many of you, you may be planning your summer vacations. Well, listen to this. The National um, board of Directors of the NAACP says Florida is unsafe and issued travel advisories 
to the Sunshine State, calling it, quote, hostile to African-Americans. The formal advisory calling on travelers to forego visiting Florida directly responds to Governor Ron DeSantis's current policies. From the NAACP, they say that Florida is openly hostile toward African-Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and challenges faced by African-Americans and other communities of color. AAA estimates that 42.3 million Americans plan to hit the road this coming Memorial Day weekend. DeSantis says the travel advisory is a joke. Imagine that. The man charged with second-degree manslaughter after fatally choking a homeless man on a New York City subway train has spoken publicly about the incident for the first time. Daniel Penny told the New York Post that Jordan Dealing's death had, quote, nothing to do with race and everything to do with a system that so desperately failed us. Jordan Neely, a 30-year-old black man who was also a street performer, was at the time experiencing homelessness. Penny, who is a white, said, quote, this has nothing to do with race. I judge a person based on their character. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm deeply saddened by the loss of life that he caused. It's, it's tragic what happened to him. Hopefully, we can change the system that so desperately failed us. This is from the man that killed Jordan Neely. Cell phone footage from the May 1st incident shows Penny wrapping his arm around Neely's neck and wrestling him to the subway floor in a chokehold. Witnesses confirm Neely did not, we repeat, did not physically attack anyone on the New York subway train that day. Penny is facing second-degree manslaughter charges and is free on $100,000 bail, in part because over the million dollars that he raised. A teacher was suspended after dressing as a Ku Klux Klanman. A Southern Kentucky, check this out, Daniel Cameron, middle school teacher is suspended while an investigation is underway into a controversial assignment. The suspension comes after a student was filmed wearing a Klan costume on a school bus. The video was reportedly part of an assignment where students dressed up as, get this, historical figures. The teacher allowed the students dressed as Nathan Bedford Forrest, a Confederate Army general, and the first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. The school superintendent expressed disappointment and embarrassment over the incident and clarified that the teacher wrongly identified in a video on social media was innocent. Interesting. And in Colorado, the first black mayor was elected in a historic win. Independent, independent candidate Yemi Mabolade becomes the first black mayor of Colorado Springs and its non-Republican leader in at least 45 years. He defeated longtime Republican 
politician Wayne Williams. Winning by 14 points in last week's runoff, this, Afri this West African immigrant without, get this, previous political experience, ran an aggressive campaign that included more than 100 meet-and-greet events and saw campaign volunteers knock on nearly 40,000 doors. His win is seen as an upset for a city that's long been considered a GOP stronghold. He also sees his victory as having national implications for a new way politics can be done and for bringing communities together. And so I want to uh, bring my panel back in and definitely want to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the advisory that uh, Ron DeSantis said was a joke um, for the Florida state. We saw that Disney pulled back, um, I believe it was uh, about $13 billion in investments that they were going to make. We also saw um, uh, um, basketball player in 2003 draft class um, uh, person Dwayne Wade, he and his family um, moved uh, from uh, Florida, citing their hostility uh, towards LGBTQ plus um, folks. Um, his daughter Zion, as we well know, um, does um, she's uh, she they fear for uh, Zion and, and her safety. Um, we've also, you know, I've talked about this um, a couple of months ago. Um, it might have even been late last year when I really did say, and I've seen this conversation now kind of uh, come out over social media to say that I felt that students in Florida, I said this either earlier this year or late, late, late last year, that when they're being courted um, by schools from Florida, should make sure that, listen, it, it, I, I, don't, I, I don't agree with your policies, especially since uh, Governor DeSantis is also being hostile towards HBCUs and uh, teaching black history and sororities and fraternities. And so before we go to break, uh, I just want to get your thoughts, Dr. Malvo. You're one of the resident uh, educators here on the show. Um, for If you could just in about uh, 45 seconds talk about this NAACP advisory and what it means um, when we think about um, the economics of Florida. Well, tourism is a major resource in Florida. And so if, if people take this seriously, and I hope they will, it will mean less revenue for Florida. If DeSantis wants to call this a joke or whatever, it's not a joke if it impacts the economy. Mm -hmm. And I think tourism is either the second or third largest uh, economic driver in the state of Florida. You see why? Beautiful beaches. Beautiful, you know, beautiful leisure activities, but it doesn't matter if basically you will not be respected, if you can be um, shot or killed. And then the the black community really does need to pay attention mm. to this and basically look at the. I think the NAACP I have to give them high props. It was a courageous stance to take. Yes. The mayor of Tampa, that's so in Tampa, she's an out gay woman, and she has said, "Well, you're still welcome in Tampa." Well, you you can't take a spaceship. To Tampa, you've got to drive from the airport. You've got to you you right. you're still right. going to be dealt in a hostile way. And, and you know, of course, our HBCUs there are really having a hard time with this governor. I have a faculty member. I'm losing a faculty member to Florida, but I told him I said, "Baby, take a leave because you'll be back," um, mm -hmm. because the brother is openly gay and he's already received a memo that says he cannot use the words diversity, equity, or inclusion in his classroom. He cannot use these words in his classroom. Now, they, I couldn't match his offer. He, he got a lot more money than I'm able to pay him. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that money cannot buy you safety. 
And there was just a sign that said something about kill all gays. That was mm. on the side of the highway. So this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. And the NAACP is to be commended. But we have to make sure that DeSantis feels this. And how do we do that? Don't go to Florida. Now, yeah. I know people already bought their tickets and already got the reservations, maybe reluctant to say, switch those. But the fact is that this state is dangerous because his governor is dangerous and because open hostility towards black people is allowed. Absolutely. And thank you for pointing that out, a resident economist as well, Dr. Malvo. And I also just want to kind of quote Dr. Greg Carr here when he talks about breaking their political backs. You definitely got to do that because this is a person who um, many are watching and waiting for him to um, maybe even as early as this week or next week throw in his hat uh, for uh, the presidential um, presidential ring. So um, definitely want to make sure that we are um, being engaged in politics and keeping an eye on Florida. You are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on a Black Star Network. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. Democracy in the United States is under siege. On this list of bad actors, it's easy to point out the Donald Trumps, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, or even the United States Supreme Court as the primary villains. But as David Pepper, author, scholar, and former politician himself says, there's another factor that trumps them all and resides much closer to many of our homes. His book is Laboratories of Autocracy, a wake-up call from behind the lines. So these state houses get hijacked by the far right, then they gerrymander, they suppress the opposition, and that allows them to legislate in a way that doesn't reflect the people of that state. David Pepper joins us on the next Black Table here on the Black Star Network. Next, right here on The Frequency, the woman they call the gifted eye, hip-hop celebrity photographer, Corey Soldier. She's the master storyteller that captures the history of hip-hop through the lens of her camera. Tupac comes out, the next thing you know, you didn't know who they were at first. You just seen all these dudes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The 
The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Just come rushing the stage. <laughs> then you realize Biggie gets a bottle of champagne, he pops it open, sprays it on the crowd, he drinks the bottle. Boy Soldier, the hip hop celebrity photographer, joining me right here on the next episode of The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. A new epidemic is as deadly as smoking up to 15 cigarettes daily, costing the health industry billions annually. I bet you won't guess what this public health crisis is. It's loneliness. Researchers found lonely people are 50% more likely to die prematurely than those with healthy social relationships. Mental health care expert Dr. Troy Beyer joins me from Los Angeles to explain how loneliness can be deadly. Thank you so much for joining and welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered again, Dr. Beyer. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy that loneliness is getting the attention that it deserves because it is lethal and it is an epidemic. Human beings are not born to be alone. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, we can get biblical about it. God says man shall not be alone. We can be psychological about it. We can even be biological about it. We need to interact with other human beings. It's very important. And I think it's also important that people understand there's a very clear distinction between loneliness and being alone. Mm -hmm. And that gap that I have really been focusing on in my work recently, because to be alone is a physical experience. You're alone. There's no one around. But to be lonely is an emotional experience. And that's why it cuts deeper and it hurts more. Right. And then a step further um, is it's not just about, um, being in the company of people, right? You want to make sure you're in the company of people that you are connected to, that you can have a common union with, which is why community is so important. That's what community is. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you raised that distinction, Dr. Byer. I I, I was, um, and I um, move in the wellness space. So when I read this report, it's about an 82-page report. I'm sure you're familiar with it. But I was really glad that our Surgeon General, who served during the Body Administration, Dr. Murthy, uh, released this report, the executive summary, and he talked specifically about some of the points that you made about um, social connection. And on his list of priorities um, in partnership with um, Health and Human Services, HHS, 
he released that loneliness and isolation were a public health concern, that he'd done um, a listening tour and kept hearing the word lonely. And so when I read Dr. Murthy's letter that he had um, in front of the report, and it talked about some of the other conditions that are specific to, um, as you made the distinction between being alone and being lonely, but being lonely and being isolated, not having those healthy social connections, schizophrenia um, rose up. We talked about um, in bringing you forward. We talked about um, premature um, death. Um, also, dementia. Um, there are cardiovascular disease. There are all of these disease and conditions. And I'm going to bring in my panel to ask you specific questions. But I thought it was very important, considering May is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, that this is on the eyes and on the list of priorities for the Surgeon General and HHS, and that it is a public health crisis. Um, could you talk to, before I bring the panel in, um, really why it is important? You mentioned it could, you know, be, we can take it from a biblical lens, or we could take it from a psych psychological lens, but why is it good for the well being of a person overall um, to have? not just social connections, but healthy social connections. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's just get biblical for a second. You know, God always knew what he was doing, right? He says we should not be unevenly yoked, right? Mm. We can't be unevenly yoked because that means we're, we're, we're moving with people that we don't share the same energy with. And that's why it's important to have people that there's a background of relatedness, that you are really connected, you share the common interests. Because when you are evenly yoked, you're going to be vibrating at the same frequency and frequency generates energy and energy gives life. So that's why it's really important to be with the right people, because if you're with the wrong people, the same holds true in reverse, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the difference between ease and dis-ease. Mm -hmm. When you are associating and congregating with people that are resonating in your energy field, I say, you know, your vibe determines your tribe. When that's happening, you're in a space of ease. And so you're thriving, you're vibrating, you're happy, your cells are happy. But when it's the opposite, I mean, you've been around people that you don't vibe with, right? Mm. It's a horrific feeling. Like, it really, it, it's dis-ease. You're not yeah. at ease. Yeah. And from dis-ease comes disease. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that breakdown. Um, Renita, I'm going to start with you. Your quick question for Dr. Byer. Sure. So my question is around what are some solutions that people can use to cure sort of their loneliness? And the reason why I ask this, it may seem obvious, but the reason why I ask this is because some people do thrive on not needing a lot of social interaction. All of our personalities are just different. And, you know, so it's hard sometimes for some folks who feel lonely to sort of lay that on other people who need alone time to recharge or who need a lot of alone time to recharge or feel that they do better without lots of social interaction. So folks who are lonely, what is it that they should do? So if you're lonely, well, there's there's three things that I'd like to address that you brought up. The, the first thing, we have to talk about an introvert and an extrovert. Some people really do love their alone time and they want to be alone. That doesn't mean that they have a wish to be lonely. Mm -hmm. Remember, alone is a physical space. Lonely is the removal of connection from another human being. You don't have access to that. So that's very distinct right there, right? Now, if you have someone who is really lonely, 
what they need to do, and I say this to my clients all the time, is find something that you love doing. What are you passionate about? And then make it your business to connect with others who share that passion. Mm -hmm. Love that, absolutely. Social connection is the fabric that weaves us all together. Um, Dr. Malvo, your quick question for Dr. Byer. Dr. Byer, first of all, thank you for your work and especially for honing in on this loneliness issue. Um, COVID caused a lot of loneliness. A lot of us spend more time alone than we ever had before because of quarantine and other things. And so I found in my own case that it's important for me to mindfully schedule social activity uh, with friends or with others, um, because otherwise you can just get into the rut of um, not doing that. I call myself an ambivert. Some days I'm extrovert. Some days I'm introvert. Some days... Yeah, I'm with, anyway. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> But, but in any case, how much time should people plan, mindfully try to be with others, you know, outside of work? What should, what is there a yardstick to say, you know, once a week, twice a week, go to church? What kind of yardstick should people use so that they can say, gee, I haven't been outside the house for a week. Something must be wrong. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think there's any formal way of measuring that. I would say to anyone who wants to know how much interaction they should have, I, I would just say, how much joy are you looking to experience, right? Because that's what interaction does. It brings you joy. So if you don't need a whole bunch of joy all the time, you know, then cool, you're good. Right. Just you got to you have to be true to yourself. Take some personal inventory. Like, what do I need in order for me to feel good about this day? Oh, I need a long time. OK, then manage your life that way. Oh, you know, I'd like to go to church on Sunday and I like to just fellowship with the congregation and be in touch. Then that's what you should do. But you have to be truthful to yourself. You have to tell yourself the truth about what you want, but especially what you don't want. I love that. Let joy be your measuring stick. And Dr. Dabinga, your question uh, very quickly for Dr. Bayer. Yes, uh, thank you, Dr. Bayer, for these comments that you've been sharing tonight. It's very important for us to understand and hear this. And trust me, I, I'm receiving it. Uh, my question is about tech. This idea of when I see people gathering at restaurants and they're like, first thing everyone does is pull out their phones. Mm. And this idea that does the idea that you can always be somewhere else when you have your phone, does that contribute to this idea of loneliness, the idea that you can never be fully present in the space that you're in? Is there a connection between loneliness and, and, and this tech and social media space is my question. You know, I think there is to a certain extent, if you are a gamer and your interaction with another human being is restricted to digital communication, then I think that's a problem. Um, I don't, outside of that, if you're with people and they're on their phones and you're on their phone, they're, you know, you're on your phone and they're on their phones, believe it or not, that is a silent agreement that they have between themselves to be connected while being disconnected. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. wow. That's a good point that you raised, Dr. Dominga. I've often wondered when I see people in restaurants eating together, um, that the joy of being connected with each other should be being present. So thank you for lifting that question. Thank you for asking it. Dr. Yeah. Troy Beyer, mental health care expert, thank you so much, friend of the show, for stopping by to share with us during Mental Health Awareness Month. It's always my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And so I am so incredibly grateful to this fantastic 
panel, my friend, uh, Dr. Julianne Malvo, also my buddy, my brother, Dr. Dominga, who gave me so much grace for chopping up his name, <laughs> and my homegirl, former lawmaker, state representative from my home state of Georgia, Renita Shannon. I want to thank the three of you all for your incredible, incredible commentary. And also want to share, Dr. Domingo shared, he has a book that is coming forward. Um, definitely want to make sure that you bookmark that. My book, uh, A Southern Gov's Green Thumb, which was number one new release on Amazon, is available right now. It drops Saturday. So if you've purchased, I'm so thankful to you. You still do have time to purchase the number one new release, A Southern Girl's Green Thumb. It is to help you connect and gain interest and in purchase plants, especially for your mental health booster. We so appreciate you for joining Roland Martin Unfiltered again. Make sure you are clocking in on Tuesday. Got a good guest that's going to be on here tomorrow from all of us at RMU. We appreciate you. Everybody on Black Star Network appreciate you. And in the words of Roland, holla. See y'all tomorrow, 6 o'clock p.m. Be well. Folks, Black Star Network is this. Hold no punches. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roller. Hey, Black, I love y'all. All momentum we have now. We have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, there's a difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Pull up a chair. Take your seat. The Black Tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network every week. We'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.